Ray Comfort is the founder and CEO of Living Waters. He's a best-selling author and has written more than 100 books, including the Evidence Study Bible. He hosts the award-winning television program, Way of the Master, which airs in 190 countries and has a YouTube channel with more than 230 million views. Ray, it's so great to be with you again. Thanks for coming back to Takeaways. Do you know, uh, Reader's Digest once sent me a letter addressed to Roy Compost, and I, I, I cancelled my subscription. <laughs> I don't <laughs> so you got the name you. right. I'm really pleased. Yeah, I, I noticed you practiced. Well, Ray, I have so much that I want to ask you, and uh, let's start by you uh, just telling us all what you've been up to since the last time you were here on Takeaways. About five five. Yeah, about five five. That's what that's I've been right. You to. have you. I'm you shrunk from five six. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, about six months ago, I began thinking about the upcoming coronation of King Charles the Third. You're familiar with Charles yeah. the Third, and realized that he's going to lay his hand on a Bible and swear to uphold the biblical truth of salvation by grace through faith without works. That's what he's going to do. Plus nine other things that are deeply spiritual. He's going to be anointed with oil. He's going to be given three swords. One sword is a blunt sword, which is a sword of mercy. Another sword is a spiritual sword, which is God's justice. And others, another sword, uh, speaking of uh, civil justice. And all these things are going to happen in a church service that's going to be witnessed by literally millions or even hundreds of millions around the world. In other words, the world is going to church. So I made a little video and said to our team, guys, we've got to take advantage of this. We've got to print gospel tracts with Charles on the front, like a million dollar pound, and uh, give them out this coronation because literally millions are going to line the streets. And if we give them memorabilia with Charles on the front, they're going to read the gospel on the back. They're going to treasure it. So I sent this little rough video to my team. And straight after that, I received an email from someone. And he said, what are you working on? Just like you said before. And I I sent him the video. And he sent the ministry $200,000, which is better than a wet sheepskin. I was very encouraged. (laughs) (laughs) And then I sent the video to another brother and he sent $100,000 to the ministry. And then to another person, they sent $50,000. Want to see the video? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get your hopes up. So, yeah. So we we printed uh, 5 million of these tracts with Charles on the front and the gospel on the back. And we printed... 500,000 copies of the book, which expounds those 10 things, those spiritual things that are going to take place. And then we've made these 500,000 copies of this book and the 5 million tracks free of charge, and we pay the shipping. I love your creativity, and I love your commitment to getting the gospel to the lost, to the point where you're um, giving people an opportunity to be a part of uh, producing all of this literature and then shipping it out to people for free. Free that's a, and literature is free. Yeah, it's very exciting. So far in England, over 1,800 people have signed up to go to London to give these out. Over mm. 500 from the US have signed up to fly over there and over 200 from the rest of, rest of the world. Can I give the website where people can actually see the details where they can get them free? Yes. Livingwaters.com forward slash London. London. Yes. Ray, I, I, I think of the word that people use to describe you when I tell them that we're friends, they think of your open-air preaching. They see you talking to people on the streets, talking about heaven and hell and the Ten Commandments and the Day of Judgment, and people get upset with you, and, and uh, women even punch you, and they say, the word to describe Ray Comfort is fearless. He has no fear. He is bold as a lion. He goes out there, and it seems like the, nothing scares him. 
And yet, I know that you have a special recipe for overcoming fear, and, and that's what I want to talk with you about today. There's so many people who say, I'd love to be able to do what Ray does. I mean, he's, he's just unique. He must be specially gifted in fearlessness. Is it possible, when we're living in a, in a culture that is so antagonistic toward the Christian message, to actually be rid of all fear? No, no, I've got fear all the time. I'm terrified right now talking to you as to what's going to come out of your mouth next. But when it comes to sharing the gospel, I'm always fearful. Just yesterday, there was a man came around home to fix our TV. It was playing up. We weren't getting the channels or something wrong with the dish. And while he was standing there waiting for it to load up, you know how they do, I thought, I got a witness to this guy. And I, I was nervous. And I just said to him, George, that was his name, do you think there's an afterlife? And away we went. He says, I don't know. The Great Commission is a reproach on human nature. It shows how wicked and selfish we are, that Jesus would have to say, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's like saying to a doctor, you've found a cure to cancer, I command you to take that to dying patients. He shouldn't have to be commanded. He should run with every ounce of energy that he's got if he cares mm. about people that are dying. And you and I in Christ have everlasting life. Mm. We must run with joy to sinners and say, you can find everlasting life through faith in Jesus. And, yeah. and Kirk, there is a very powerful analogy I use based on, on Scripture. Sometimes it's an analogy. I just say to people, do you know what death is? I've got a skeptic in front of me who's not concerned about his salvation. He says, no, I don't know. Says, Let me tell you what the Bible says death is. It's wages. Did you know that? And they always say, wages? I say, yeah, it's wages. God is paying you in death for your sins. The scriptures say the wages of sin is death. It's like a judge says to a criminal that's murdered multiple women, he's not concerned, and the judge says, I'm going to show you how serious this is. I'm paying you in the death sentence. This is your wages. This is what you've earned. This is what's due to you. And I say, sin is so serious to holy God, he's given you the death sentence. You're on death row, and your death will be evidence to you that God is deadly serious about sin. Mm. And their mouth opens wide. And I say, did you know the message of the Bible? They say, I've never read it. The Old Testament, God promised to destroy death, and the New Testament tells us how he did it. And they go, I didn't know oh, that. What's that all about? Yeah, so it stirs curiosity. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink is a lie. You can make a horse drink, and all you do is salt his oats. And you can salt the oats of any human being because they're not an animal. They're not a dog or a horse or a cat. God has placed eternity on their heart. And if you talk about everlasting life and freedom from the fear of death and the power of death, it's going to get their interest, even if they're an atheist, agnostic, whatever, they're going to set up and say, I didn't know the Bible says you can be free from the power of death, that God's granted everlasting life. And I say, have you heard the gospel? They say, no, I don't even know what the gospel is. I said, it's the good news that Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Mm. I said, let me share the gospel with you and get your thoughts. And I said, I'm going to back up. We're going to have the bad news. going to have to look at the bad news before we look at the good news. Right, right. Because if you've got a doctor who's a good doctor won't tell a patient he's got a cure until he first tells him he's got the disease. And a good doctor will say, I'm going to hold off on giving this cure. I'm going to show you these x-rays. See this poison seeping through your system? You're going to be dead in two weeks. And when he sees sweat come to the brow, he says he's now ready to hear the good news because he's scared. And that fear is his friend, it's not his enemy. A fear will make you put on a, a parachute if you're going to jump. Fear will make you put on a seatbelt. Fear can be a friend, not your enemy, if it's a good fear. And the Bible says, through the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So it's good to make people sweat because sin is deadly serious. Yeah. And we're talking about the eternity of heaven and hell. And then you're sharing with them the cure 
to the sin problem, which is the gospel. Yeah. Ray, um, you shared with me in private conversations that you actually struggle with something called agoraphobia. And that is an incredible fear of being in crowds, being in public places. How is that possible? You're an open air preacher. Yes. And there are people who are listening right now. What helped you get over this incredible sense of anxiety and fear about being around people to become an evangelist like Well, you? I had it when I was an evangelist. I got it 30 years ago. It was over one afternoon, suddenly I felt like a thousand demons just invaded my mind. Mm. I flung myself on the ground. I tried to exercise prayer myself and it was just horrific. And for a year, I couldn't have a meal with my family. It was so debilitating. But there are certain keys. There are certain practical things you can do. You can breathe in deeply when you get a panic attack because the problem is when you have an attack, you're... Um, you're being starved of oxygen in your blood that's going through your brain, which makes you sweat, makes you more fearful and want to run. It's called flight or fight. So what you do is do just deep breathing exercises. You stop, you calm yourself, and you breathe through your nostrils very, very deeply, four or five times, as deep as you can. That will actually help calm you. That's practical things you can do. Spiritual, you say, Lord, all things are working together for my good because I love you and caught according to your purposes This is for my good, and I'm going to rejoice in this. And the thing that kept me alive, Kirk, was one word from the book of Hebrews. Afterwards, when it speaks of chastening, it brings forth a peaceable fruit of righteousness. I got that word afterwards and wrote it in big letters and marker and put it on a door where I'd see it regularly to know that there was an end. It's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. There's not a train heading for me. It's going to be an afterwards for this thing. And in the meantime, God will work it out for your good. So that Mm. helps you lift yourself up. And also, so that you don't get caught up in self-pity, think of a burn victim that's burned over 90% of the body. They don't even look like they used to yesterday. They're the ones that have got the big problem. Your problem isn't as big as you think it is. Just give it to God and he'll work it out for your Mm. good. What does it actually look like to let go of our fears and turn them over to God? Well, it's going to be a continual thing because the fear keeps coming back, but it just means to trust him. Trust him as you trust a father as a little kid. You take him by the hand and he'll lead you. So every time I go out to share my faith, I know that God is with me. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake Mm. you. So it's a continual trusting in the integrity of God. Everything we rest on as Christians is on one Bible verse, and that is, it is impossible for God to lie. Everyone else will let you down. You know, your friends, even your dad can let you down. Sometimes they can't keep their word because of circumstances, but God will never, ever let you down. That means you can trust him in everything you put your hand to, especially when it comes to reaching out to the lost. Mm. Many times I've sat back and thought, I didn't know that. How did I know that? I didn't, I, I'm not eloquent. How could I speak like that? And I, I just have to come back and rest in the fact that God helps me and he'll help anyone who trusts him. Mm. In some of your evangelism efforts, when you're feeling uh, apathetic or you're feeling uh, uh, discouraged, you say that you pray for more love. Yes. What do you mean by that? Well, um, don't pray for less fear. Pray for more love because that's what's, that's what's missing. If you've got love, it'll drive you to reach out to the lost. And you talk about apathetic and fears. And also, I can think of a hundred reasons. I go out twice a day to a local college to witness and to film. Hardly anything stops me. Rain will stop me, not because of the rain, but because there's not people outside. But many times I don't feel like going, but I don't go by my feelings. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. If I'm a firefighter, I don't stop being a firefighter when there's a fire because I'm feeling tired. 
It's got nothing to do with me feeling tired. I go because I'm a firefighter, and the Bible likens you and I mm. to firefighters. Others save with fear pulling them from the fire. So many times that I feel like having a snooze, I'll just jump up and say, I'm going. Grab my dog, and away we go. Ray, some people are afraid because they know that their views as a Christian tend to be unpopular in the culture that we live in today. And so they hold back from talking about their opinions or sharing their faith. But as you've traveled around the country, talk about some of the common ground you're actually seeing and you're having with people that actually shows you that you don't need to be crippled by your fears. No, we actually did a a whole season for our television program, season four, where we went to Europe to show that when you use biblical principles, it's relevant to every human being. Mm. And uh, because every human being has a will to live, number one, there's something in them that says, I don't want to die. They, God has placed eternity in their heart. And also they have a conscience. They have a knowledge of right and wrong. So when you learn to tap into those two key areas, the conscience and the will to live, then the gospel becomes relevant to everybody. Um, the Bible says there's none that seek after God. And you think, you keep hearing these statistics about Generation Z are godless. Well, every generation's godless. There is none who seeks after God. But what we can do is, as I said before, is we salt the oats by appealing to the will to live and the conscience that makes people desire the gospel. And it makes the gospel good news. Once you realize you're dying and you have to face God on judgment day and you need a savior, then that gospel becomes certainly good news indeed. One of the books that you and I love to read is The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. And in that old book, that allegory of the Christian life, there's a time where Christian has offloaded the burden of sin and he's on his way to the celestial kingdom, but he finds himself trapped in Doubting Castle. And he is just um, uh, tyrannized by giant despair. People can relate to that. Uh, Doubt and despair especially in a culture like we're living in right now. But you told me how he got out of that castle. What did he do? He put his hand into his breast and pulled out the key of promise. And every one of us have got the key of promise. We believe God's promises. You know, I say to people, do you believe God's promise? And I don't know, I don't know. We live by faith. You can't live without faith. You say to your boss, I don't think I trust you. You're going to lose your job. Say to your wife, "Uh, honey, I don't trust you. You're going to be sleeping on the couch. You may even destroy your marriage because a marriage is based on faith. You exercise faith when you have an operation. A surgeon cuts into you because you're trusting him. You've allowed him to do so. When you get into a plane, you're exercising faith in pilots you haven't seen. When we doubt God's promises, we are calling him a liar, insults our boss, insults the wife if we have no faith in them. And so that's why the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so that's the sort of faith each of us can have. And we've all got that ability to have faith uh, within our own heart. You know, Kirk, I was behind the door when they, when they gave out gifts on how to run fast or uh, how to sing or dance or do sports. I wasn't there. Some of us haven't got talent like you, but we can all exercise faith. Every single person, we can trust God or have unbelief. Unbelief will immediately get us into Doubting Castle and you'll be, dis- you'll be in despair. Mm. What if God can lie? Well, then your whole faith just crashes and fear rushes in. And so you come back to the integrity of God and say, I will trust God. I'll not doubt his promises. That's that key of promise. And that could shout a doubting castle and walk in the straight and narrow with joy in your heart. Ray, sometimes people are afraid to really go public with their Christian faith because they know they've got skeletons in the closet. 
and they're not living the way that they're pro professing, it's not lining up with what they believe. How do Christians guard against compromise in their life, which produces the fear of being found out as a hypocrite? Well, there's no skeletons in any closet. The eye of the Lord is in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Nothing is hid from the eyes of him with whom we have to deal. And the problem when it comes to that is actually idolatry. There is that wonderfully horrible picture of um, an old man sitting on a cloud, a big white beard, wearing a pink nightie, reaching out his finger to touch Adam's finger. God is nothing like that. That's a crazy idolatrous image of God. We get a glimpse of what God is like when there is thunder and lightning. Kirk, have you ever been in thunder and lightning that scares the living daylights out of you? Yeah, it's kind of exciting. I like That's it. the healthy fear of God, and that's what's lacking. You know, Jesus said, fear not him who has power to kill your body and afterwards do no more, but fear him who has power to kill your body and cast your soul into hell. Mm. Some people say that's a reverential fear. Mm. That's what's lacking in today's church. Ray, you have been in the game of cultural engagement and reaching out to the lost for decades and decades. How do we keep the tank full? How do we keep the engine revving and, and, and go the distance with leading people to the Savior? Forgive, he who's forgiven much, the same loves much. I know what I was before I was saved. I understand the cross. Mm -hmm. I know I was worthy of hell, Kirk, and I, I cannot put into words the gratitude I have in my heart for God, taking me out of death and the fear of death and bringing me into everlasting life. Gratitude is a high-octane fuel that motivates me. Mm. It's a high-octane fuel. I love that. If I get out of bed, I got gratitude to God. I'm still alive. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, saving me from death, saving me from hell. And that gratitude pushes me on. I'm mm. so grateful to God. And that's what's missing. If you don't see your sins, if you don't see you're worthy of hell, there'll be no gratitude. You say, oh, yeah, Jesus died for me. Thanks a lot. Yeah, really good. But it takes my breath away that he would do that for me, that I should gain an interest in the Savior's mm. blood. Ray, what about the people who are just feeling fatigued by the headlines that they see in the news today? They think, oh my goodness, this is just, this is overwhelming, this is suffocating, this is just paralyzing. And we should just throw in the towel because it's, it's, it's all over. How would you encourage them to keep fighting the good fight? Well, one of the signs of the end of the age is lawlessness. Jesus said that, iniquity shall abound. That's a forsaking of God's law, but he said this, and most people miss this as a sign of the end of the age. Jesus said, and then the gospel will be preached unto all nations, and then the end will come. So you and I can be part of fulfilling Bible prophecy by becoming involved in reaching out to the lost. The gospel must be preached, Jesus said. So that's an incredible privilege, Kirk, you and I have to share the gospel. Mm. There's no higher calling, there's no greater honor than to be used by God. Ray, what is encouraging you uh, as you travel around the world? Uh, wh what's happening in culture that, that encourages you? I don't travel anymore, Kirk. I got sick of taking my shoes off and getting on planes. I have 2,000 flights, I thought. I've had enough, but I know what's going on in the world. People are dying daily. I know that the culture is doing exactly what the Bible says it would do. People become lawless. There's a lack of fear of God before their eyes. And I know the gospel is the answer. And that's what the church needs to rise up. We're seeing revivals, pockets of revival, where there's a move of God, but I'll see, I'll believe it's a move of God when they move out of the building into the world. That's right. When they take the gospel to every creature, because that's what happened in the book of Acts. Ray. Thank you for the little phrases that you use to help us remember how to overcome our fears. I remember uh, hearing you say over and over that 
Courage is not the lack of fear, it's the conquering of it. Yes. That you let love swallow your fears. You say things like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen to me if I go share the gospel with this person? And it's really rejection, feeling embarrassed, maybe being told to go away. But what's the worst thing that could happen to that person if I don't share the gospel yeah. with them? Yeah. The lake of fire. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things that uh, have helped me to overcome fear, let love swallow those uh, terrifying feelings and go do what I ought to do. You know, uh, when Jesus ascended into heaven, it must have been a glorious sight because the disciples were told by the angels, this same Jesus will come in light matter. It wasn't a beam me up Scotty, it was clouds, power and great glory. And then the angels said, you men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing to heaven? They were just having a little glory session. But he's saying, go down. The angel said, go down. There's power coming from on high so you can be my witnesses. So we have multitudes who are worshiping the Lord and gazing to heaven when we've got eternity to worship the Lord. We've got such a short time to take the gospel to every creature as, as we've been commanded. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.